0: This is the RJ Metrics Buddy Time Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Moore. Every episode of this podcast features another RJ Metrics team member sharing things you might not find out about them hanging around the water cooler. I want to extend a big thanks to Alex Klieger. His Softball Diaries podcast is awesome and is the inspiration for this one. And with all that said, let's meet this episode's buddy. Okay, why don't you tell me who you are? what your title is and how long you've been here at RJ Metrics.
1: How long have I been here? Great, um, I'm Lauren Halden, I'm a designer, and I think I've been here in June, I'll have been here two years.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's coming up. A fantastic anniversary. What do you get for the two years? Is that the satchel or the? I don't actually know. Been, I need
1: to ask around. The
0: water bottle is a, is a big one. I don't think uh, it's for the pretty, water that's, bottle. That's the only one that I actually use on a pretty consistent <laughs> basis. Um, so, can you talk a little bit about what your typical day at work here looks like?
1: Yeah. So my typical day um, is kind of split right now between visual design and code. Um, Mostly I'm doing design for the the marketing side of the business. Mm -hmm. So um, the website, the blog, we have a collection of microsites that I work on, all kinds of PPC advertising. And um, sometimes I'm coding those projects too, which is great. It's like a really kind of... Split brain space, but I like going back and forth between those two things
0: if there was a favorite thing on either side of that brain space Does anything jump out at you like what makes your head pop off the pillow and say I'm looking forward to doing this today
1: I really like I mean I think the the cool thing about this job is that I actually get to just make stuff from sort of conception through launching it sometimes like, Mm -hmm. you know, not not necessarily huge huge things, but uh, yeah, I like just to be able to kind of to get it together and get it live and have it just be there and, and exist. and That's
0: pretty cool. Awesome. Are there particular things that you never expected to be doing when you accepted this role that yeah. have come up?
1: Yeah, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> definitely, which is good. Uh, I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, I'm definitely writing more front-end code than I thought mm-hmm. I'd be which I love and is great and I do a lot of that for my personal projects too. Yeah. So I think those two like have fed into each other in a really nice way. Mm-hmm. Um, I also got really into like A-B testing and analytics and, like I set up our um, Google Analytics and Tag Manager install at the moment. Great. So kind of like getting into that brain space is a, even a different thing but that's been cool too.
0: Awesome. Can you talk maybe a little bit about how design is Actually structured here at RJ Metrics, and yeah. <laughs> uh, if you've had exposure to design at other organizations, how it might be different or uh, or not.
1: So I, my work experience in the past has always been I've been the only designer, mm-hmm. um, and usually my role is split between design and like communications or PR or something. So this is the first job I've had where we've had to solve that problem and figure out how a team of designers work together. Um, so recently we consolidated our designers from two, two departments, they were in products and they were in marketing and now we're making sort of one like mothership department for design that all the other departments kind of interface with, which I think is a really smart way of, of doing it and it's been working out really well.
0: How long ago did we do that? A month-ish?
1: Uh, it six feels weeks? like longer, but I think it was really only like, yeah, a month or six weeks ago.
0: Yeah. Do you have a sense of, is there any evidence that it's uh, better, worse or the same?
1: Oh, I think it's great. Yeah, I think yeah. it's great. Um, even just like sitting next to Kevin, you pick up the other designer here. Mm-hmm. You pick up so much about his work process, which is different than the way that you know I've come up through my jobs. I mean, he's like you know he's worked for a bunch of different places, a bunch of different startups, and I've worked for mostly nonprofits. Mm-hmm. So just kind of absorbing the way that he thinks of problems and tackles them and goes about them—that's been really useful.
0: Um, I. I'm sure that we will spend a lot of time talking about uh, your your RJ experience. One thing that I want to introduce early here just to provide a lens through which we can ask a bunch of other questions is what you're doing when you're not at RJ Metrics. Uh, and I've been excited to do this interview because <laughs> there is so much of it uh, with you yeah, yeah. and I I really, really appreciate that. And I think it's something cool. we are when we are recruiting, we look for right. that exact uh, yeah. kind of pattern. Yeah, um, that's great. Yeah. I that's uh, so I don't even know where to start, uh, but maybe <laughs> a good thing is just Take your typical day after work, you go home. What, what's that look like?
1: Oh, so, um, recently I've been going home and coding because I've been working on this, this site about hiking. Mm-hmm. So, that's been for the last like probably the same like months to six weeks. I've uh-huh. been working on that. Um, so, it's a, it's a database of places around Philadelphia that you can hike, and it's got like all this interactive maps and sort of information about the acreage and the number of trails and the length of trails. And so, I've been hacking that together.
0: Awesome. Where that's Philly Day Hiker, yeah, right? Yeah, Philly Day uh, Hiker. Uh, do you source all that information yourself? Or are you going on these hikes, and yes. that's where it's coming from?
1: <laughs> so far, wow. yeah, so far. So, um, yeah, I launched with like sixteen parks. I think that I had had personally hiked uh-huh. and had like gone to all their sites and looked up all the information. And um, sometimes, like, you can't find a trail map unless you go to the physical place and take <laughs> a picture of it. So I was doing that for a while. Um, but now there's a tip form so people can like help uh-huh. me. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited about that. I've been getting some good tips. So I'm, I'm gonna be busy.
0: Uh, can you talk a little bit about, a, I guess this was maybe two weeks ago or so, there was some coverage in Technically mm-hmm. Philly about this and yeah. then I think did Philly Voice run something and yep. that yep. you get kind of that uh, echo wave of coverage yeah. that comes out of that. Um, what's it like being on the creative end of that and getting to see all that attention pour in so rapidly?
1: Uh, I, yeah, it gets a little addictive, right, so every time I launch something there's this kind of like a wave where I'm checking Google Analytics all the time and I'm like, all these people are yeah. using this site. And then in three weeks it'll be like, today I got four visitors, and you're like, okay. And then you make something, like you just want to yeah. make something else. Um, but this one I really, I want to be something that lasts and that, that it gets improved on and that mm-hmm. gets a bunch of other people to contribute to it. Um I think it's uh, it's more of a tool in a way than a lot of my previous projects have been. so mm-hmm. I'm excited about that.
0: Uh, it definitely seems like it's more than a novelty. Uh, yeah, it's definitely yeah. a a actual source of value. Um, Uh, Not to say that your other projects are novelties uh, in and of of themselves, but, (laughs) yeah, I want to spend a little time, like, I just have a laundry list here, and I bet it's not even remotely complete, um, from Twitter bots to other Twitter bots uh, (laughs) to um, uh, dating word soup generators and and whatnot. Uh, Do you want to, maybe, maybe this would be a good time to just think chronologically from uh, you know when you were in school to mm-hmm. now, and just kind of walk through what you were doing professionally and yeah. all the side projects that you had going on at any at any given time.
1: So I'm one of those people that had a really strange meandering career path. I mm-hmm. think which is which is great. Um, yeah. I think it's useful to have a diverse background. Um, so my my degree is in fine arts. I studied sculpture. So like completely different nice. from <laughs> what I'm doing right now.
0: Were you in the Philly area? Or yeah,
1: yeah, I went to more. Oh, it's Moore. at at um, 20th and Parkway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, So yeah, I was studying sculpture there. I was making these like big plaster abstract sort of like plant-like forms and they were like gorgeous and perfect and precious and my professors were just like, what is she doing? (laughs) Like, why are you doing this? Um, So I I did four years of that and then I was kind of like, okay, what am I I really doing? Where
0: Where is all of your art now?
1: In my basement. In your basement. mm -hmm, There is one sculpture of mine that is in the Philadelphia building. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, that's they really didn't cool. Buy it. Uh-huh. I donated it, but they still have it, and it's like somewhere. It's like on the eighth floor. I got to break in there and find it. But nice. It's like a decade ago.
0: Yeah, very cool.
1: Yeah. So, um, so I graduated, and I worked for three years for a, a nonprofit that does work for professional working sculptors. Oh, great! Right. They had like a trade magazine and conferences and um, like student award shows, that kind of thing.
0: What is a sculptor conference like? That sounds like a party.
1: Uh, yeah, but like, I don't know. Sculptors tend to be, I think they're really, they're, they're young, so there's like a big student contingent and they're old. Mm. And there are people that have been doing it, you know, for 30 years. And those two groups, I think, like don't mix very well sometimes. It was actually really hard to come up with programming for the diversity of like, what what working sculptors are like right now huh yeah so it was it was a challenge
0: is there a a geographic clustering of sculptors and
1: well definitely i don't you know sculptors are sculptors are different than artists in that way i think because they need space yeah so like if you're a sculptor in new york you can't afford a studio you like you need like utilities and like places to get a forklift in (laughs) But I mean that's that's sort of more traditional work. A lot of people right now are doing more time-based things, installations, environments, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Gotcha. But you still need space, so it's tricky.
0: Uh, did you ever it would seem like your skill set would make you very good at creating installation style art if that falls uh, under the umbrella right? of sculpture. But and I did never you ever experiment? I with that? never
1: did. Yeah. Ah. I think it's funny because I think the critique that I was getting when I was in undergrad was like you should try to reach some people. You should do something that's more interactive. And I was like, no, I make things that sit on pedestals and they're pretty and we're uh-huh. done here. And now I'm like, all my work is about interacting with people. <laughs> <laughs> so I came around. I was just stubborn. Yeah.
0: I uh, needed a better medium, I think. Uh, when did you start to think about moving on to something else?
1: Um, in terms of like design, I think... I was always doing a little bit of design, but in a very non-formal way. So wherever I worked, I was sort of like, "Guys, we need a newsletter. I'm designing it. We need a blog. I'm going to do that." Uh-huh. Um, and I was lucky enough that I was working for small places where, I, you know, they would just let me try it. So I was always doing that, but I had no, I had a design a design training in that I had a visual training, <laughs> but I didn't have anything else.
0: <laughs> I didn't know technology as well as I should have. Did you, how did you end up picking those skills up? Was it just side projects and what yeah. you could piece together at, like, at your day jobs?
1: Yeah, just, um, you know, when I was in art school, I wanted a portfolio. Um, so I was like, I need a website, I, I have to figure this out. And my mother, my mother could cope. My mother was like a database engineer. Oh, awesome. Yeah, she was really cool. Um, so, you know, she would get me set up with a template and she would be like, go figure out how this works, hack into this, change some things, see if you break it, see what changes, uh-huh. and that's really, how I started learning.
0: Wow, uh, yeah. what what uh, database technologies did your mom work in? I
1: don't know enough about that because uh-huh. it was like you know she's gone now, and I didn't we didn't really have those like conversations where our, our interests overlapped totally. Mm-hmm. So I know she was doing um, like access databases for like law firms, um, dent- dentists. It was uh-huh. really random. Yeah, stuff. that's a
0: big uh, yeah. big industry for databases. So she was yeah, she was yeah. doing
1: those things.
0: Wow, it was uh, cool. that is really cool. Do you think that uh, her influence on you was part of what kind of led you into the yeah. technology field?
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, my mom was like, she was always on her computer just, you know, after dinner she was like, okay, I'm going to make something and she was mm-hmm. just tacking things together. And yeah, that's that's kind of how I grew up watching her do that. And she would do personal projects too. She had a whole website about the like butterflies and moths of Eastern Pennsylvania. <laughs> So I see my hiking site now Amazing. and I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, there's my mom. Like, That is, she's, a, yeah. mm-hmm.
0: that is a beautiful, uh, beautiful tribute. <laughs> it's cool. That is really cool. Um, so uh, you're working for the, uh, the Sculptors uh, yeah. Trade Association. And I'm uh,
1: driving to the middle of like New Jersey to do it and living in Philly. And I think at some point I was like, you know what?
0: Yeah. I'm not making <laughs> enough money to keep doing this. Were there side projects during that? So you were there for three years? Yeah, uh, Did the side projects kind of start up in, in that period or was it mostly driving?
1: So I, in that period, I, I was a little crazy and I bought a house. So the first thing that I did was like make a website where I documented myself trying to fix up this house on like zero money, uh-huh. no resources, no idea what I was doing. So that was like my first First side project.
0: And is that, that is your, you're in Port Richmond, right? I'm in Port Are Richmond. you still in that house? I'm still there. Awesome. Eight,
1: eight years later.
0: <laughs> Incredible. Has it? How do you feel about the progress you've made?
1: You know, a house is never done. So I feel it, it's not done. It's not done. And I was actually listening to Leah's podcast and listening to all the work that she was doing on her house. And I was like, yep, mm-hmm. I feel that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm happy with it, but you know, there's always something else to do. So my mind is kind of like, you know, I could rip this kitchen out maybe. and uh-huh. <laughs> I won't let myself like stop.
0: Uh, sounds indicative of, uh, I can relate, so I'll put it that yeah. way. I can relate. Yeah. Um, so uh, so what was next after the, uh, the sculptures? So
1: then I worked at Penn for same thing, like three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was working for a different sort of organization that was, uh, they did public health outreach. Oh, great. So yeah, super interesting stuff. A lot of what they did was like continuing education and organizing events and lectures, um, but also a little bit of trying to bring sort of the resources that Penn had in the public health world into West Philly. Huh. So they were trying to establish clinics and do do research and trying to you know work on some civic planning stuff.
0: Nice. So that was really cool. What was your title there?
1: I was the program coordinator for a while and then they, promoted me to like media and technology specialist oh, or something, yeah, I, I kind of made them do that.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. uh, did you get to, it sounds like in that role, some of the coding and design becomes a little more front and center.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And our website was on a template, so I couldn't, I couldn't quite get everything in there that I wanted to do, but I oversaw it being redeveloped and then I would just kind of like, get the parts of it that I had access to and I would just sneak extra code in there and uh-huh. like,
0: <laughs> yeah, so I was always doing that. I seem to remember uh, there being something about a Tumblr regarding squirrels at Penn. I totally forgot
1: I did that, yeah. I started a Tumblr where I just documented squirrels who would like pull party food out of dumpsters <laughs> and just run across campus eating like Cheetos and pizza and bagels. And... You were
0: years ahead of the pizza rat I phenomenon. Know.
1: I tweeted them when they posted the or the when reply all posted their pizza rat episode. I was like, uh-huh. "Guys, this is not new. This, <laughs> this is, is not mysterious." <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, is uh, uh, I know that at some point in time your experimentation with the universe of of Twitter starts to come into the picture here. Is that during your pen era uh, that that picks up or was that a little later?
1: I Well, I started tweeting when I was at the International Sculpture Center, like way, way back. Mm -hmm. Um, My first Twitter account is super old.
0: I is that different from the U Twitter. Twitter account right now?
1: The what? Yes. Okay. Yeah. The one that I use right now is not. It doesn't have my original join date on it. That one I still uh, own, but I don't use anymore. Huh. And I just want to keep it for that timestamp because I was like right in there. Why'd you switch? Um, I had made it private for a while and changed the name of it. And then I wanted a public one. So I had two for a while. It, uh-huh. You know, whatever. Gotcha. You evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I believe in being weird on Twitter. So I don't. You know, I try to do all my weird stuff just publicly now, and that's how I am.
0: <laughs> that's the right way to live. Yeah. Totally. Uh, bots on Twitter, a whole different universe. So when when does that start to evolve?
1: Um, so I made, I mean, I honestly, I'm not a real bot maker, right? So like the one that I made was The Lonely Project. Um, which is mostly a, a mobile website. And so the, the bulk of it is you go to the site and it displays, it pulls in a tweet from Twitter about people who are feeling lonely at that particular time. And then if you choose to, you can hit a button and a designated account will tweet to that person for you just to reach out and be like, hey, someone's someone's reading oh, this. Oh, I didn't stuff. realize that. So the Lonely yeah.
0: Project is, uh, initiated by uh, yeah. another person yeah. being on a front-end interface, triggering it.
1: And part of that is because, like, I don't quite know how to code a bot that would do that by itself. But part of it is also that that is against Twitter's terms of use, so mm. they could definitely shut me down for just at what replying. specifically is it? You can't at reply people that you don't follow based on a keyword automatically. Like, oh, if wow. they see you do that too much, they
0: they'll can you? Huh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, did that? Why did you build that project?
1: I built that project because I just wanted it to exist (laughs) Um, so this the story I tell and I've done some interviews about this project but I always tell it the same way I just like you know I was like checking my phone at the end of the day every day and I would have read the news and checked Facebook and I was like uh, everyone's social media presence is so curated and so happy that I was like there have to be people out here who just don't feel great right now and like I should talk to them. Someone should talk to them, mm-hmm. and there wasn't like a place where you could really do that very well. So I just made like a simple, a simple little thing. You know, I don't pretend that it like cures loneliness, but it's like a little tool that I use sometimes when you know, and it helps me. It's
0: great. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of feedback have you gotten on that? Have you been able to see people that have also yeah. been affected by it?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, people write back to it, which is so cool. Um, And most people, some people are confused, some people do not understand why an automated Twitter account is talking to them. But when I launched it, I was very worried that people would find it intrusive. Um, And I I launched it knowing that if it got poor feedback, I would just pull the plug on it immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was really surprised that people just, um, I think they just wanted to be heard and they didn't necessarily care like what was hearing them so much. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a person in the mix somewhere in that interaction. Um, and they were fine with that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people fave it, people retweet it. Some people retweet it in like a self-deprecating way and they're like, look at this thing, uh-huh. oh my God. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think it makes people laugh a little. So, uh
0: uh-huh. yeah. And that is, if you want to check it out, uh, it is still up and online it's still, and running yeah, it's and everything, still, right? Twitter so, has
1: not shut it down.
0: <laughs> uh, it's called...
1: The Lonely Project. The Lonely Project
0: and it's at a Lonely Project? Uh, yeah, right?
1: the Twitter bot is there, yeah. And you can get um, you can get the website from from its bio.
0: Great. Um, Have you ever heard of the original chatbot Alice?
1: you heard that story? Alice. There's been a couple
0: of chatbots, right? I don't really
1: know which one that is. So
0: uh, the Alice bot was developed, I believe in the 60s, if not the 70s, uh, in a psychology department. And it was actually extremely basic from a coding standpoint, as it would have had to be at that point in time. But it was developed specifically for uh, basically practicing psychologists to use as a tool for their patients to yeah like have cathartic conversation with something right. and all it really did was it would say what would you like to talk about today and the person would say uh, my something. relationship with my father and it would say oh what is what is interesting about your relationship with your father and then people would uh, you know type and type and type what does your
1: relationship um, with your father make you feel
0: exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, and that uh, it's it, your projects uh Kind of strikes a chord in a lot of ways on that that theme because I think there's there was a lot of research that came out about that Alice bot that it actually helped a lot of people yeah. tremendously and provided some scalability to basic psychiatric services um, and uh, it's pretty neat use of technology <laughs> in
1: very early days. It does follow some like mental health resources. So I always hope that if someone is like really in trouble, they might just, you know, find some things in there that they can use. Uh-huh. But you know, so far it's it's been really nice.
0: Yeah, that's really great. Um, did uh, so we talked before about the Philly day hiker swarm of press uh, that yeah. came around I remember when we were interviewing you I think it was around the time that the lonely project was uh, slightly more recently released I and I think there was a yeah. yeah there was a bunch of press going on for that at yeah. that time um, yeah was that a similar kind of experience or did you find yourself talking to a different audience about that?
1: That project is interesting because it keeps coming back around like every once in a while someone will find it and decide they want to write about it like I did I did an interview about it like a month ago, I think. Wow. Um, so that's really cool. I mean, I, I really like that it has had more staying power than I thought it would at this point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it got it got a one line, like or maybe two or three line mentioned in the Washington Post in a, in a larger write-up about awesome. why people are making chatbots and mm-hmm. I was so excited. I was checking my phone walking home and I was like ah! <laughs> <laughs>
0: That was great. Was, uh, uh, was Penn the role you had immediately before RJ or was there something else yeah. in
1: there? Yeah. I, so I was taking, Penn is great because it lets you, if you work there, it lets you take classes. So oh, I did great. like a sixth class, like grad level design program there. So I did get like the, the formal web design training and formal graphic design training uh-huh. while I was at Penn. And I think I got that certificate like two days before I interviewed here,
0: which uh-huh. <laughs> just worked out really well. Good timing. Yeah. Um, uh, before I, I dig into the early days of your RJ experience, um, I want to com- complete the circle on side projects. Uh, one thing that I uh, oh man, there's actually a bunch of these. So uh, the thing that was in my mind that I wanted to ask about was I a lot of people have these um, Markov chain generated mm-hmm. bot versions of themselves. Sean mcavinney has got one. Uh, yeah, there ben are. Garvey. Uh, they're quite funny. For some reason, yours might be the best one that I've ever seen. And I I don't know how that's possible, that one could be better than the others. And I think it's either a testament to your normal t- tweets that it was trained yeah. on being yeah. so mm-hmm. – there being so many of them maybe uh, or them just being so damn interesting and s- like yeah uh, the weirdness that existed to begin with is good training <laughs> data. Uh, but I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that or any, yeah. any secrets for people that want to make their – Bot version of themselves as interesting as yours.
1: I think that's all of that is true. So that program, the one that I'm using that runs the bot, like we should probably explain, there is a spoofed version of myself on the internet called Lauren Ipsum that just remixes my old tweets, um, but strings them together in ways that sort of make grammatical sense most of the time. Yeah. And the program that runs that actually does like occasionally pull in new tweets from what I am actually tweeting on my normal account, so it's learning. Um, which is creepy because <laughs> I didn't even realize it was doing it for a while. And I'm like, wait, I tweeted that sentence like last week. I set this thing up like a year ago. How is it? P-? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, I think that's it's true. Like my normal Twitter is very much me and I don't censor it much and it's weird. And so the, the bot is just inherently weird.
0: Uh, the bot is... Uh... So fascinating. I'm actually pulling up the uh, so it's been I, and on I think a now recently. that I I've never actually looked at these stats before. But I'm looking at your normal Twitter account, um, which is at Philly Lauren. For those of you who want to follow Lauren on Twitter, there's only one. Fifteen point nine thousand tweets have gone oh, out yeah. through this. I've uh, tweeted a lot, and that's your. This is not even your first Twitter account ever. So uh, I think really the the quantity of training data. Uh, Uh, in this. This model is just amazing. Yeah, Um,
1: that's probably true. Like, Ben complains to me once, because Ben Garvey has one. He's like, mine just tweets about JavaScript. (laughs) That's what you tweet about. (laughs) It's pretty funny.
0: Uh, Yeah, uh, there are some amazing ones uh, on here. Um...
1: What has it been? It's been uh, crazy recently. So uh,
0: talk about the Toe the Wet Sprocket tweet. That's oh, what I'm trying to find here. Uh, that might have been a couple oh, of weeks it's back. it's so
1: far away. <laughs> yeah, it, t- it tweets too much to go back in time. Um, I remember on my personal Twitter account, I was, Toe the Wet Sprocket was my favorite band in high school. I don't know why I picked it. Uh-huh. I just loved them. And I was revisiting them like a couple months ago. They just came up on my Spotify and I went back through like their their best of album. And I tweeted like, I'm revisiting Toad the Wet Sprocket today and there's like a mandolin in here. Is this real life? Like it's crazy. And then my bot tweeted, I'm revisiting Toad the Wet Sprocket and it is not a joke. (laughs) And then Toad the Wet Sprocket faved it and they're like, we're so glad you're revisiting them. (laughs) Okay. I'm glad it didn't insult
0: them because sometimes it can be a little dicey. (laughs) Uh, That is incredible. Um, The... uh uh, the other uh, remixing project that I know that you put together at some point is a online dating word soup generator Yeah, uh, can talk a little bit about that. So I spent three years on OkCupid. Okay <laughs> that was the
1: genesis of that project um, OkCupid okay is really funny in that everyone is trying to be unique but also like not too unique because they don't want to come off as weird mm-hmm. and what results is like everyone making the same jokes and saying that they love the same things and it just Like I noticed it being so formulaic that I just said someone should make this formula, Mm -hmm. right? We should just like make a generator that just does this stuff. And so yeah, so it's like a, um, Ipsum text is what designers sometimes use to use as placeholder text in designs when you don't have the content finalized, which for the record is bad. You should always have the content before Mm -hmm. you start the design. Ipsum text is bad, but um, I made a generator for it anyway, and it just kind of makes these like weird fake paragraphs that you would find on an OkCupid dating profile.
0: <laughs> that is at uh, uh, your website, laurenhalden.com, is uh, the, a good place to find all yeah, this stuff, yeah, by yeah, it's
1: Yeah, it's all archived uh,
0: there. So many great plugs, too. I don't usually Thank have this many things to plug. <laughs> I'm all uh,
1: I live on the internet. It's just, that's how I am.
0: Awesome. Um, uh, similar theme. I don't know if this was actually automatically done or just a prank that you played on the world, but... Uh, your uh, bogus inspirational Pinterest quotes
1: yes yeah no I that was a prank I played on the world <laughs> uh, yeah that was actually a design project I did at Penn I took a class that was about um, design and social commentary mm-hmm. and uh, so you know we had to we had to pick some things to sort of like pick apart and, and make commentary on and one of the things that I chose was this sort of cultural thing that we have going on now where we pick like a pretty landscape picture and then like slap a quote on top of it like an unrelated quote and it's all about like achieving your potential and living up to your whatever um so i did the same thing i made a database of like just those quotes and mixed them into word soup and just started like setting really nice like in nice typography quotes that made no sense uh-huh. on like pretty pictures and then i would put them on pinterest and see yeah. if they got reshared and, and a lot of them they definitely got reshared mm-hmm. i did not think they were going to um some like very unironically like i think yeah. for real <laughs> It was getting shared unironically and then I started feeling a little bad.
0: There was uh, the example I have here is uh, you've got a woodsy background and the text is "Life is too short to never stop quitting. It's uh, <laughs> <is> very popular.
1: <laughs> oh, that makes no sense. <laughs> but it looks good. so people are just like, yeah, I, yeah, I will never really stop is. quitting. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? There's so many double negatives and things going on in there. Uh,
0: so uh, talk to me about animal bones. You do a lot of hiking?
1: I do a lot of hiking. Yeah, and I collect skulls.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you collect skulls?
1: Yeah. I listened to the podcast with Daniel Levine in which he recommended me for this and uh I realized I had to explain skulls because that's yeah, yeah, that sounds weird when
0: other people say it. <laughs> well, uh yeah, I'm just going to let this hang out there you, to dig into this one.
1: Um yeah, so I think, okay, so in my defense, I think there's a long tradition in fine arts about skulls, right? So when, when I was in art school, we would draw them. Um, you would draw, you learn how to draw by looking at the light and shadows on, and like an object that has texture but has one color, mm-hmm. and you would start to, tr- to sort of figure out how how you could recreate that in two dimensions. So we would just pull things out of the props closet, and it would just be like, there's a horse skull and a drapery and a boot, mm-hmm. and you would arrange them in a still life and you draw them um and i think you know from that point on i just always kind of liked them as like just objects Mm -hmm. um you know and there's a whole tradition of of art history around memento mori and artists contemplating their own demise and trying to create something that's going to outlive them and all that stuff um so yeah so uh sometimes when i'm hiking in the woods i will find like a possum or a fox skull it's really weird you just find them uh-huh. like they're just they're never with the rest of the animal they're just out there interesting in the middle of the and you're like okay so i have i have a little collection of them now and i know i can identify them uh-huh. which is fun <laughs> but yeah i know it's a little weird it's it's just a little weird uh
0: in the context of your explanation it is uh uh much less weird is good. uh that's good But do you have any favorites any prize possessions
1: i have a fox And he's not in good shape Mm -hmm. um you know he's got like like one little part of his snout is missing he was definitely out there for a long time but he was one of the first ones i found and i think one of the one of the rarest things you can find probably it's really hard to find a red fox Um, And it took me forever to, like, Google image search what this thing was. Oh, wow. And when I figured it out, I was like, hey.
0: (laughs) Do you have, like, a skull buddy or something that you can consult or have you befriended any? I should.
1: I actually found a guy on Twitter through my hiking site who's like, tweet me pictures of
0: animal stuff and I will ID them for you. I'm like, I'm going to use you. I know this. Do you uh, – first of all what's the magnitude of this collection are we talking five skulls 50 skulls 500 skulls
1: <clears throat> okay should i list them
0: yeah let's do okay. it
1: okay i have three raccoons i have a possum i have a skunk i have a coyote that one was given to me as a present mm-hmm. i have the fox i have a couple of deer and i have a bear who was also what? given to me <laughs> as a present by this guy i grew up with his name is alex mm-hmm. he went um, he went through college and like went to a wilderness survival training camp. Just was like, I'm not going to get a job. This is my job. I'm just going to just gonna teach wilderness survival at this camp in Minnesota. And he found the skull and he wow. shipped it to me in a UPS box. <laughs> 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 and it came to my house with like, it was like a box full of, there was like driftwood and a bear skull and like a snapping turtle shell. Wow. It was like, this is amazing.
0: <laughs> some uh, some TSA agent uh, yeah. grabbed their pants when that went yeah. through it. The- that, was, the UPS that was
1: weird. It was a little grungy. I felt a little weird about it.
0: Wow. Uh, well, at least it uh, came from a natural uh, spot and yeah. was not bought yeah. at a, no a one boardwalk the novelty yeah. shop or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I
1: don't like to buy them. I yeah. just like to find them. Do
0: anywhere. if you find them, uh, is there any kind of do you bleach them or do you do anything else to yeah, just kind of? You're
1: actually not supposed to use bleach because bones are kind of fragile actually you can eat into them so um i think it's really you're supposed to like hydrogen peroxide just not for very long and you rinse them and put them in the sun is the thing that works the best
0: interesting uh (laughs) this
1: is bone talk
0: (laughs) (laughs) you're listening to bone talk with bob amari (laughs) it's another lovely friday uh if you can go back to more and take any course that you took over again which one do you think it would be
1: Oh man, in the context of this conversation, now that I'm just like, I was not listening to anybody when I was in art school. Like <laughs> yeah, maybe I would take some of those sculpture classes again and try to make some things that were a little less like pristine and precious and sitting in a corner. Mm-hmm. And try to make something that I think had a bit more of a sense of humor. I think that's kind of my sweet spot is to make something that's a little wacky. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I would like to take another round at some of that.
0: Did you have a professor that was your favorite while you were there?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. But, um, I don't, yeah, I don't know that he knew anything about the kind of stuff that I'm, like, he wasn't a tech guy. Mm -hmm. He was like an old school sculptor from London. He had like survived the war. (laughs) It was like, you know, he was intense. Um, I learned a lot from him, but uh, yeah, not not so much. Like I never had like a tech mentor in that way. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Um. I want to talk a little bit about yoga because uh, it seems like you're really good yeah. at yoga. Uh, I'm not, and it's at okay. least super into it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, what is your schedule around yoga? How often do you do it, uh, and how long have you been doing it?
1: <clears throat> I've been doing it for I think I'm on my third year now. Um, I really started because I was a distance runner. I was doing half marathons and like Broad Street, that kind of thing. And I just started just hurting myself all the time, like Mm -hmm. I would grind my knees down. um, And I I did three rounds of physical therapy. And my physical therapist, he would be like, you know, you're not flexible. And and also you're not strong. And also like do some (laughs) other things that are not running. I was like, okay. So that's, yeah, that's how I picked up yoga. Uh Because, I mean, yoga is all about um, building strength, but in a way that kind of meets you where you are. You're, you're supposed to like always be working up to your edge, but you're not supposed to push through what your body wants to do, um, which I think when I was a runner, I was kind of violating that rule, right? I wasn't always doing the right thing for my body. I was like trying to get an extra couple of miles into a workout Um, so I really, I think refocusing on that, that attitude of like, Hey, everyone is going to be, they're going to come to this with a different ability level. Mm -hmm. Don't compare yourself, just kind of respect where you are. I think that's been super healthy for me.
0: My notes here describe what you do as relaxation yoga. Is that a fair description or is that something else? No,
1: I mean, I I started, so I started mixing in this style called yin on, that's where I'm going after this. So like normal vinyasa yoga, you're doing like a lot of up and down and push-ups and holding standing poses. Yin is much more like you're relaxed. You do very few poses, but you hold them for a long time. Ah. So it's a totally different brain space. It's much more about like patience and acceptance and just like working through Mm -hmm. what's going on in your body. Um, So I do that like once a week. And then... I try to get to another class or two and I try to go for a hike and I try to go for a run. All Mm -hmm. these things don't happen in a week, but I just try to mix it in.
0: Uh, How has your running habit, uh, how have your running habits evolved (laughs) since you started doing yoga? Like does it, I am a big runner and I am not strong and I am not flexible and I, I run when I feel like I'm out of shape my answer to that is to run more. And I- oh, It's so
1: bad. Yeah, you get yeah. stuck in that cycle and it's not good. Yeah, and right? especially
0: with the, I'm, I'm so subject to the quantification of self and the yeah. gamification oh, was of the same goals way. that I have apps that tell me how much I ran. And yep. like, at some point in time, my wife yelled at me and said, I need to have those apps stop auto-posting to social media because it's, <laughs> it's completely obnoxious. Uh, so now it's just, it's still, even though it's completely for me and it's just me, uh, I want to get a better time in the breastfeed run in three yeah. weeks than I had last yeah. year. Yeah, and you haven't
1: trained as much as you yeah. did the previous. Yeah, I haven't trained as I much, and you
0: know, and I haven't done a push-up in three years. So like, yeah. that's the spot that uh, I'm in. So I'm wondering, I've often wondered if I actually uh, had the willpower that you have now demonstrated by picking up some of these other things. Do you just yeah. not care as much about the running, uh, or has running maintained its status as a pretty important thing to you?
1: I mean, I do care about it. I was a cross country runner in high school, um, but I also, you know, like when I was a kid, I broke a knee and my knee is like structurally different and it's not going to get better as I get older. It's going to get worse. Um, So I think, I mean, I I do run a lot less now. Um, When I want to do some cardio work, I'm often on a stationary bike or a real bike. Um, I just have to kind of accept that, like, you know, girl, you're not a marathon runner. And that is mm-hmm. totally fine. I think yoga has been helpful in, in getting there. But I was the same way. Like the quantification yeah. apps, when RunKeeper is like, you haven't worked out this week. And you're like, I'm injured. Yeah. Can you
0: chill? <laughs> or it's like, hey... You know that guy from high school that you haven't talked to in seven years? He just ran 3.4 miles at seven o'clock in the morning. Uh, What are you doing right now?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Uh, Yeah, I wish I was less susceptible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How'd you break that knee?
1: Um, I I tell people that it was playing basketball, but really what happened is that the ball went over a fence Uh and then I went over the fence and then I fell off the other side.
0: Wow, chain link
1: fence? I uh, no, I can't climb a chain link fence. I would not be <laughs> any good. it was just like a post, you know, like a wood post fence. Wow. How old were you? I was thirteen.
0: Thirteen. Yeah.
1: Great days. It, makes a, it for makes a great clicking sound when I bend it now. It's great. <laughs> uh
0: have you broken any other bones? Any other big uh... No.
1: Yeah, I hope never to. I drink my milk. Trying not to have to break any bones. (laughs) But I will say I'm a cautious hiker because of that. Like, I know if I fall, I'm going down and it's not going to be good. So I try to be careful. (laughs) Uh,
0: With all of this stuff that you do and uh, all your hard work here, you still have time to uh, have a pet, Ox. Yeah. Tell me about Ox.
1: Ox is a crested gecko. <laughs> um, when I tell people I have a lizard, they are usually grossed out. But you know, I guess when you tell people you have a skull collection, they're <laughs> grossed out too. I, I guess I like biology. Yeah. <laughs> I'm figuring out. Hmm. Yeah, so um, he's a great. If anyone's interested in getting a lizard, he's a great starter pet. He eats banana smoothie. Like this kind of scientifically formulated powder that you mix with water. You don't have to feed him bugs. Oh. He exists at room temperature. You just have to spray him down once in a while with some water. Give him a smoothie. And he's really cute. He's super, he looks like a little dinosaur with eyelashes. Oh. <laughs> I've brought him to the office a bunch for like hackathons and yeah. vet appointments and stuff. And yeah.
0: Nice. He's been popular. How, how big is he?
1: He's maybe like sort of eight inches, but most of it's tail. He's uh-huh. about half tail.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Does, uh, do geckos shed their tail or do any other kind of molting?
1: So crested geckos, they do shed, but um, they can drop their tails, but their tails are prehensile. So if they drop it, it does not grow back. Oh. So mine still has his tail, which oh, is like good. Very uh, yeah. lack of
0: trauma in that life. I'm, it's I'm a,
1: really impressed that I didn't Privileged life. Scare him. living
0: there. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> he's intact.
0: Wow. Um, who's your best friend?
1: Oh wow. Um, my best friend since like my like adult life I think is is my um, my former college roommate Nicole. Mm-hmm. Nicole is a uh, she's an art historian. She's just finishing up her PhD right now. Knock on wood. Good luck Nicole defend that dissertation um, but she she's really interesting. She works in New York like three days a week for a private collection of I don't remember what this guy's name is, but he has a collection of, like, Northern European Renaissance paintings and also um, random paintings of wild cats because he has a foundation that supports, like, the preservation of, like, jaguars. So there's, like, a Rembrandt and then there's a painting of a random lion. And she's, like, uh, she's helping, you know, manage and curate and loan this collection out yeah okay I was gonna ask yeah. is that
0: a, a dedicated space or is it a, just a private collection
1: I think I mean that you can visit it I uh-huh. don't exactly know the details but yeah yeah that's sounds what she like uh, if pretty... it, with a
0: little bit of Google foo anybody can track that down yeah, yeah. And I don't know his name and I don't know what's going yeah. on but yeah mm-hmm. awesome uh, and why why do you think uh, Nicole holds such a special place in uh, in your life
1: I think Nicole has been through a lot of the same challenges as me, you know, when you when you go to art school and then have to figure out like, okay, that that was a thing. Now what am I doing? <laughs> we took different paths through it definitely, but uh yeah, now that we're both sort of like adult women in the working world, like I just find we have so even though we're doing completely different things, we have so much in common. Yeah. And there's always plenty to talk about.
0: How do uh one thing I've found challenging as uh I have become an adult person in the workforce is keeping in touch with friends. Uh, I have, you know, some of my best buddies from high school, I'll talk on the phone to once in a while. But a month can go by, two months can go by between seeing them in person. How do you keep that relationship alive and connected?
1: Yeah, it's tough, honestly, when she's in New York a lot of the week now. Um, So, I mean, we get brunch once a month-ish and that's kind of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I really... I really keep up with people on social media a lot of the time and yeah. texting. Like, I know that seems like a cop out answer, but everyone is so busy that I think that that is that's fine. If that's what you have to give, then
0: mm-hmm. give it. Yeah. Uh, you uh, uh, seem like someone who's pretty savvy on the, the social medias. Uh, <laughs> do uh, <laughs> if you take the rundown from, uh, I guess you can kind of do this chronologically, right? It's like uh, Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, like keep going down. Them? Like, I, I guess, like, <laughs> are is there a point at which, like, I'm not on Snapchat at all? I'm barely on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I am uh, off and on on Twitter, and I am, uh, you know, talking to my grandma on Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, Like, where does where does that spectrum start and stop for you?
1: I'm kind of the same way. I'm on I'm on Instagram more than that. I would say I'm on Twitter the most. Mm-hmm. Facebook, I am, yeah, catching up with old friends and my family. Um, I really was a late comer to Instagram, I held off a long time there, Mm -hmm. I I was very skeptical. I kept saying like, I don't need to see a filtered view of the airport that you're sitting in, I'm Mm -hmm. not sure what the point of this is, but there is something around just like saying what you're doing and showing people what you're doing is so different and Mm -hmm. uh, showing what you're doing is stickier. So. Yeah, so I I Instagram a lot now, and I feel a little weird about it still,
0: I think. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a bot equivalent for Instagram? It's almost your uh, your, your Pinterest uh, mashups could serve that purpose.
1: I don't know if they let you do that. I know there's a lot of people on Twitter who are doing visual bot things like Darius my friend Darius has this bot that just takes company logos and glitches them out so nice. they get all crazy uh-huh. um, I, I think Instagram will not let you do that but I wish they did. There are, there are Tumblr bots. Like there are people trying to, wherever yeah. they can get something in, they're gonna do it. But.
0: I'm way into bots, by the way, if you can't yeah. tell. Uh, it is. Uh, That's awesome. I had, probably the first thing I ever programmed in my life was a chat bot for AOL That's Instant right. Messenger. That's right, yeah. Uh, that, okay, so
1: what was your feedback to that?
0: Uh, my feedback to <laughs> so it? What was it, what was the goal? It was really a it started out as an insult bot, uh, like all. It was basically a prank. It was a, it was a prank <laughs> to pull my friends. It was designed to, uh, and I, I downloaded some open source bot, uh, yeah. you know, shell on yeah. uh, GitHub didn't exist then. It was probably SourceForge or something wow. like that. Um, and I just. Yeah. Uh, initially programmed it to only respond with very crude phrases to try and uh, get people irritated at it and fighting with it and it would just keep responding uh, very yeah. very rudely to them and it is it, I mean it was profane uh, it was profane enough that uh, Ryan probably doesn't have enough beeps for me to uh, have some of the <laughs> some oh, of the things it goodness. said how but long
1: did it last it
0: lasted my I built it during my senior year of high school and it was online until probably the end of my freshman year of college. Uh, and it got to a point where, so it was called M M.Treeboard, which is Robert M spelled backwards, uh, which was also my original AOL screen name. Oh, wow. And it got so popular, so it's ha- and I still have every single one of the chat logs. It had conversations with over 100,000 people, uh, and some of them every day for months and months and months. And all I did, it was the dumbest code I've ever written in my life, uh, and that's saying a lot, if you've seen the early versions <laughs> of RJ oh, Metrics. Just an enormous if-else loop with regular expressions. So it would... That's how I would have done it. (laughs) I would just observe the responses that people would give and people are so extreme, much like the dating profiles, it's like people are really predictable when they are, particularly when you scope their conversation down into just arguments and being confrontational and disrespectful. (laughs) Uh, So when you're in that world, you can get a lot of coverage in the possible universe of conversation. And I think this ended up being maybe maybe two or three thousand lines of code of just if-else, and it would handle a very large universe of possible things and would take people down these really weird conversations um,
1: so you were in high school on a modem hanging out in AOL chat rooms did your parents know what you were doing yeah
0: I uh, it's it's I, I give my parents a lot of thanks and credit for the they definitely did not know about the bot. <laughs> my dad's probably listening to this podcast right now so uh, he wants to go uh, go find the find the old damn tree board logs um, Uh, It was actually really funny. Around that time, so I built this bot that just curses people out, called Treebor. And around that time, I think it was my senior year of high school, uh, uh, like novelty t-shirts were like a cool thing. And my dad remembered that my old email address, my original AIM email address was M.Treebor at AOL.com. And he got me this t-shirt that just said M.Treebor on it. It's like in the midst of M.Treebor becoming like one of the most uh, infamous... uh, like, uh, I
1: don't want to advertise yeah. that I mean <laughs> it's like, this. He's like, I'm not
0: this guy. Uh, but it was nuts. If you remember on AIM, uh, people could warn you. And if you got yes. warned, then you could not say as much. And if you said too much, even if you weren't warned, you would your rate yeah. would go down. So I I would end up running. m Bore ended up just being this central hub that would route messages. And... I had M-Treebor, M-Treebor two, three, four, five, six, seven, M-Treebor junior, m senior. And if you chatted M-Treebor, m four might chat you back Uh and then you would just get into a conversation with four and it was aware of where the rate limiting was for everybody. So it would, it would just route messages. That's kind of great. Uh, But it would centralize all the logs. So like your history of conversation would be, would be pretty centralized. Um,
1: Uh Yeah, somewhere on this
0: hard drive in my Dropbox is every single one of those, but. uh, Were you
1: studying at all?
0: (laughs) This ended up being quite useful. Yeah, the answer is no. Uh, I learned how to write in Pearl uh, That's great. at age seventeen, so that was that was the closest thing to studying. That's I did hilarious. not my uh, uh, my AP scores did not reflect any kind of studying, but uh, yeah, my AP scores weren't great either. I, uh, We're I'm, good. I'm now learning about American history, and it's very interesting. So that is exactly what I was
1: going to say about my second moment. choice for returning to things in college: American history. American history. Yeah, I, I need to I need to go brush up.
0: Yeah, it, yeah
1: uh, in one year and out the other.
0: I feel yeah. like you need to live a little bit before you can appreciate what true. these people have done with their lives and the choices that they made to yeah. kind of uh, usually very selflessly influence, uh, you know, the course of human events and sometimes yeah. very selfishly influence the course of human events. Yeah, they're always uh,
1: like, history's doomed to repeat. Da, 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 da. But you have to see, you have to see like some things go wrong before you can
0: yeah, appreciate Yeah, I think that. some yeah. sense of empathy uh, mm. needs to be developed first. That's um, very true. Uh, so I ask everybody about this, uh, what's your number one time waster app or website? Is it one of those oh, social medias or is no. it something else?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, okay. So Twitter is some, somewhat of a time waster for me, but also it since the death of Google Reader, I feel like that's where I find interesting things to read. Hmm. So sometimes I'm just like looking at pictures of cats on Twitter, but, you know, sometimes I'll find something that's, you know, really incredible. And if you follow people who curate their feeds to, deliver those kinds of things to you, it's really useful. Huh. Um, so that's a bit of a cop out.
0: No, I think that that definitely counts. Uh, Sometimes I'm on it's Reddit. It's a bit of a launch pad. Red- yeah, Reddit's, how do you, what's, what's your, what's your relationship with Reddit like?
1: Uh, I lurk in a couple of places. I,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I did not know what was up with Reddit until I started seeing traffic to it, to one of my projects. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I just thought it was like this bed of misogyny and like terrible stuff. And so the dating project got posted to Reddit and uh-huh. I was like, oh, no, Like I'm (laughs) going to get ripped apart, right? And they loved it. And I was so surprised. I'm like, okay, now I have to figure out what Reddit is.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Reddit is uh, definitely skewed toward the misogynistic side, but it's so extremely large that there are some really interesting uh, corners of it that are, uh, you know, it's really just a platform for people. Yeah,
1: just hop around. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's it's bizarre.
0: Uh, It's definitely... Uh, dangerously addictive, though I had to uninstall the mobile app from my phone because it was. Oh yeah, I don't just, have the mobile app. Nope. too don't consuming. Um, you were selected to be on this podcast because uh, it was demanded by the people. Uh, because <laughs> oh, no. Dan Levine was on the podcast and he said, "You've got to get Byron on here." Everybody gets one, and I'm asking you if you could nominate one person to be a guest on this podcast. Uh, who would it be, man?
1: Just one. I would have to go with Jenna Kurtz, I
0: think. Jenna Kurtz. All right.
1: Jenna's bio on the website is very intriguing. Um, There's something about a goat farm in there. There's something about how she spent a couple of months doing something insane in Germany um, with mountains or something. I don't really know. but. She, I know she knows how to weld, which is something that I also learned how to do in art school and have never used since. So Amazing. I feel like she's got a bunch of stories somewhere that I would like to know.
0: All right, Jenna, you're next. Hope you're <laughs> You've listening. You've been warned. <laughs> you have been warned. Um, so. Uh, what am I not asking you about that I should be? I feel like we've had oh, tons man. of fodder here, but yeah. that to me is actually evidence that I'm probably missing a lot. I'm not grasping at straws yet, uh, and oh, in really? our final minutes- <laughs> I've uh, just been talking too much. <laughs> no, not at all. It is. Uh, there's so much interesting stuff that I bet there's some stuff one layer deeper that uh, we haven't even touched on.
1: What is a layer deeper under all the weird stuff that I spend my time doing? I don't know. I've been spending a lot of time thinking about my house recently. And like what it means to sort of be a member of a Philadelphia block mm-hmm. so I think that's something that that has been occupying a lot of my time my block is a little like bizarre and bonkers sometimes mm-hmm. um, I, uh, I just had this experience the other week where I my, my neighbor had actually had a heart attack and was taken to the hospital and his dog was left behind and his dog broke out of the house and was trying to find him and was like spent all night barking oh. on the front porch. Um, and so I came out at four in the morning and I was like comforting this dog who was freaking out. And my my neighbor the next morning saw that the side mirror was missing off of my car and he just brought me one. Like he oh. went to his scrapyard wow. and, he, and I was like, this is incre- <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> my block like sometimes is so... Stressful, uh-huh. and you know Philly can sometimes be really stressful, but it's also super rewarding. And I've been sort of like spending a lot of time figuring out what that means and how much energy you should put into those relationships.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you feel like Port Richmond is, uh, if you had to describe the neighborhood, I-, I don't know that I have a, you know, I've Most got a people don't, I've yeah. got a thing in my head about you know who the people are who live in Northern Liberties or in Grad right. Hospital yeah. uh, or in, in South Philly or in Kensington. Right. But uh, I'm curious if, uh, not to be reductionist, but what, what is Port Richmond all about?
1: Port Richmond was an old working class, mostly Polish neighborhood. Um, so my neighbors, uh, the guy on the left of me is the plumber, the guy on the right of me was a truck driver. Um, so it's really, it's really interesting. There's a lot of big old Catholic churches. There's still a big Polish supermarket, kielbasa everywhere. <laughs> it's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I don't take advantage of the sort of weird sort of cultural corners, pierogies. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's a weird place. But there are there are some like artists in there. There's some mm-hmm. young people. Um, Fishtown has become incredibly expensive now. And we're starting to get some like overflow from that, so it's getting mm-hmm. a little it's getting a little quirky. Is
0: Port Richmond the next uh, neighborhood north from Fishtown?
1: Yeah, it's it's sort of northeast, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have been going directly north or a little northwest into like pockets of Kensington because that's where the L is, and that makes life a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So I'm sort of like choice C.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: There's not a lot of people that I know up there yet.
0: How do you get to Center City in the morning?
1: Yeah. It's a bit of a hybrid. So you can take you can take a trolley or a bus to the L and mm-hmm. do that. That's, that's a bit annoying. I do own a car, so um, typically what I'll do is I'll drive to an L station that's not near Kensington and Allegheny, which mm-hmm. is sort of the big drug corner up there, um, which, which is some of the L stops that are closer to me. You would have to like cross the second half of Port Richmond and get on at one of these stops that are just like notorious for drug sales. So I don't do that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I drive to like Fishtown and I park or sometimes when the weather's nice, I just take a bike. I'm kind of a nervous biker.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm trying to get a little bit better at that. Do you bike?
0: Uh, I ride the bike share bikes. Oh, I do you? I ride into work every morning on them and then fifty-fifty shot whether or not I ride oh, home if I have morning. like an event or something like that. Really? Um, but yeah, I am uh, – I'm always walking around with the bike helmet, which is an amazing conversation starter. Uh,
1: just just a helmet. Yeah, uh,
0: just, just a helmet. Very often uh, I'll be in a cab or just walking but happen to have the helmet, but uh, uh, at least once a day I'm on those Indigo bikes. I yeah. didn't
1: know that you were doing that daily, that's great.
0: Yeah, it's a good, um, it's kind of a cool, There, those things are built like tanks. Like yeah. if I get hit by a car riding one of those things, I'm gonna be worried about the car. Uh, like it is slow <laughs> and it weighs a hundred plus pounds. So I sometimes feel like I'm just getting blown by by the anybody that's on any bike that's not one of those. So I am a little (laughs) self-conscious about am I the the tourist to the real biker community of Philadelphia, but uh, I'm willing to uh, carry that burden on my shoulders for the sake of the greater good.
1: I think when it rolled out, People felt like that. I think it's getting better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I definitely don't don't frown on the indigo bikers. I know that's a workout. Like you got to you got to get yeah. that thing up a hill. Or you're in <laughs> trouble, um, but it's great, and they seem to be really flourishing. So. Oh. And um, I think Katie Monroe, the, like, head of the Women Bike PHL group, which is really big, I uh-huh. think she does, like, communications for them or something. So oh, cool. they're legit. You yeah. Know?
0: They're good. Oh, they're, I follow them on Twitter. It's it's uh, one of the few accounts I follow on Instagram. Um,
1: oh, nice. It's really, uh,
0: yeah, I, they seem to have a really great team. You should uh, Instagram more. I feel, I, like, uh, I feel like you see some weird stuff. I see some some things and yeah. some stuff. Um, <laughs> I, should, I, will, I will take that advice. You <laughs> to be articulate about it. <laughs> Uh, Lauren Halden, this has been awesome.
1: Cool, thank you so much. Great job,
0: and uh, I will look forward to talking to Jenna and yeah. uh, ask her about the goats. Uh, everybody, check out LaurenHalden.com and all the requisite social media. Thank stuff. you. Cool. This is fun. Thank you. This is cool. a blast.